You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember to join us tonight at the Anchor Bar in Detroit for Smart Politics. We're going to talk about the upcoming midterm elections and answer any questions you have about the candidates, the ballot measures, or the political mood in the state and the nation. That is tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Anchor Bar in downtown Detroit. We hope to see you there. All right, up next, last year, Michigan set a new record for opioid-related deaths. Nearly 2,000 of the 2,700 overdose deaths were related to opioids. That growth in deaths is slowing, but some officials say we are years from seeing this problem begin to decrease. That is where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today, uh, talking about the opioid crisis in the state. And joining us to expand on that is Karen Buffard. She is a healthcare reporter with the Detroit News. Karen, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah. So let's talk about these latest numbers uh, that show uh, just how deep I think we are in this crisis and how far we have to go. Uh, what do these numbers tell us about the opioid epidemic here in Michigan? Well, they definitely tell us that the um, number of opioid overdose deaths and overdose deaths in general continues to rise, but it is starting to slow down in terms of the rate of of rise every year. Um, Between 2015 and 2016, there was a 35% increase in opioid-related deaths, but then this year, um, between last year and the 2017 numbers, um, the increase was nine, or I'm sorry, 8.7 percent. So um, it is, we're starting to put the brakes on, but we are still increasing every year, and the expectation is that this is going to go on for quite a few more years. I spoke with um, Macomb County 441B District Court Judge Linda Davis mm-hmm. last week about this. She's very she's been very active in um, fighting the opioid crisis all over the state, um, and she said she really thinks that it could we could continue to see increases for as many as five years, four or five more years. Wow, wow. Um, where is this epidemic? felt most acutely, and uh, who are the people who are most impacted by the epidemic? Well, I think that they're really all demographics are affected by this. I mean, it does tend to to be more of a um, a suburban and, and rural problem to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. really we see it across all um, races, income levels, um, and socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, Wayne County had the most um, o- overdoses in 2017 in terms of the number uh, with 573 deaths, and Macomb had 285 deaths. Although the number is lower in Macomb, I kind of roughly calculated the rates um, recently, and um, both of them uh have about the same rate by population level. Um, Macomb has fewer people living there. So even though um, the number is lower, they really have about the same number of deaths per per 1,000 of population. Um, Genesee County um, also has uh, quite a, a high rate. 
and um, the others, the other counties that are in the upper tier in terms of the number of deaths are Kent, Ingham, Washtenaw, Oakland, St. Clair, and Calhoun. Yeah, yeah. So what is the state doing about all of this? Uh, what, what are the things that uh, they think will have the biggest impact on reducing, first of all, addiction, and then second of all, uh, death as a result of addiction? Well, there have been things going on at all levels of government state and county and and local and also the private sector um, nonprofits have been um, very active in trying to combat the crisis. At the state level, there was a whole new package of bills that were passed last December that were being implemented all year. Um, in June, there was a law that took effect that required doctors to start checking the state's um, MAPS system, which is the um, system that tracks where patients are getting opioid, you know, how many are getting opioid prescriptions. Doctors that check that can see if, if patients are doctor shopping, and, and the state can also tell whether doctors are over-prescribing. So it's a very critical tool that prior to June 1st, it was not required for that doctors use. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a really big change. Um, also, in June, there were um, some some other requirements passed. Um, and in July, there were also some limits on opioid prescribing that were passed. So um, currently, at, with these new laws, doctors can't prescribe any more than seven days of um, opioid medications for patients in, a, in acute pain. So these are the people who maybe went to the dentist, maybe broke a leg, something like that, had surgery. Um, previously, the doctor might have given them 30 pills, you know, and or given them um, enough medication for, for 30 days. Right. Now they can only give enough medication for seven days. Um, there has been a lot of research that's shown that a huge number of people that have become addicted to opioids were first exposed to them at the doctors um, following a surgery or, or an athletic um, accident, something like that. So they're really hoping that this will start, you know, making some progress on fewer people becoming addicted. Yeah. Um, the state also um, issued a, a, a kind of a um, a prescription so that anyone in Michigan can go to a pharmacy and get a prescription for naloxone, which is an opioid antidote. And um, police cars, um, first responders, now most of them are carrying naloxone um, in their vehicles. So a lot of this is a rescue drug that has saved many, many lives. Um, at, the, at the county level, mm -hmm. there... Um, have been drug courts um, in, implemented that um, have really been found to be very effective in, in helping people to become sober, helping them cure their addiction. And um, the nonprofits are doing things like putting sober coaches in, in hospitals. There's all kinds of efforts underway. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the real concerns still, though, is the availability and the effectiveness of treatment. This is a very difficult thing to get people uh, off of, uh, and we are not necessarily spending the kind of money that we should making sure that uh, recovery programs are available. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's that's very true. And um, one of the things that Judge Davis uh, to- was telling me last week is that it's it's not something where someone's going to get treatment and then they're going to be cured. Often people relapse. It's a very very tough addiction to get over, and it o- often takes multiple treatments and. Um, sometimes people might ha- be revived by naloxone, you know, over and over before they finally are able to beat their addiction. So it's, it takes a huge uh, investment of resources and, and time and, and money and a lot of patience, I think, on the part of society to help these people recover. But one thing that Judge Davis did say was that you, you just can't give up on people because eventually they they do recover. And some people that might be seemingly hopeless cases actually are able to, to eventually get over their addiction and start living productive lives and helping others. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karen Buffard, healthcare reporter with the Detroit News. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Up next, we're going to continue our conversation about the opioid epidemic in Michigan, and we want to hear from you. Has this epidemic touched your life in some way? Do you know someone who suffers from addiction? Are you a recovering addict? And do you maybe work in the medical field and are seeing the effects of this crisis? We're going to be joined next by someone who is working in this space right here in the city of Detroit. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the opioid crisis here in the state of Michigan. We just heard from a Detroit news reporter who talked about the latest numbers uh, on opioid deaths, which are still growing here in the state of Michigan year to year. But the rate of that growth seems to be slowing, which may be the first sign that we are getting on top of it and maybe getting the better of it. Joining us now to talk more about the ways in which this plays out in our communities and the ways in which healthcare providers are trying to combat opioid addiction is Dr. Calvin Trent. He is the vice president of programs for the Detroit Recovery Project. Dr. Trent, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Uh, So let's start with just talking about this addiction. Why is it so deadly and is it different from other kinds of addictions that uh, that you see and 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 deal with well actually i you know don't think that it's different you know di- addiction is addiction mm-hmm. there's many addictions uh this particular addiction is um, um serious because there is a consequence many times of immediate death, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, uh, as a, you know, as we all know, I think the national figure said it's about 72,000 people dying, you know, and uh, many new users are dying. Um, uh, It's a very big problem because of the deaths, not Mm -hmm. so much the addiction. Addiction is a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. But with the opioids, the death problem is, is a big problem. And what is it? that causes that to be a more deadly addiction? Well, it's the, the effect, the physiological effect of the drug itself. 
you know, the drug uh, uh, combined with alcohol or in itself has a tendency to uh, uh, dampen the respiratory function. Mm -hmm. And so people actually, uh, uh, when using and when overdosing, stop breathing and die. And die. Yes. You know, I'm really curious about the role that doctors play in this. Uh, When we were talking with Karen Buffard, the healthcare reporter for the Detroit News, she was talking about uh, new regulations that will, Mm. will restrict doctors from prescribing opioids in in the way that they that they do now and a lot of people say it's doctors who are getting people quote hooked on this in the first place uh how should we be viewing the role of the medical community in 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 all of this are they complicit in it or is this just something that that spins out of control because of the addictive nature of these drugs no well there is uh you know uh a aggregate of of uh institutions and people that are involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I've actually myself, I think it starts with the um, producers of, of the drugs. In this case, uh, you know, there's companies. a lot of question about the role of Purdue or Pharma uh, in the uh, creation and marketing of a drug called OxyContin, mm-hmm. uh, which was marketed to physicians as a uh, pain medication that would uh, not be addictive, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that turned out turned not, out to, be not to be the case. And it really caused a big proliferation. And so in a sense, doctors are victim too. I say, I, you know, not that they were intentionally, but, you know, the whole idea of pain medication is one that is very important, you know, and to be able to manage pain for many people is, 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 is a really good thing. Yeah. But yeah. the consequences is something that we have to really be aware of uh, people uh, get uh, hooked on their uh, uh, pain medication and when they can't get it anymore, then they go into the illegal market, which is a big problem. Yeah, You know, one of my pet peeves is that is the issue of the illegality of the drugs and the consequences of that too. Yeah. You know, uh, we should have more uh, doctors should be more involved in, in the whole process of addiction, in my in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dr. Calvin Trent. He is vice president of programs for the Detroit Recovery Project. We are talking about the opioid crisis here in Michigan, and in particular in southeast Michigan, uh, numbers that show it is still growing, even though it, it may be growing at a slower rate uh, than before, we know that because uh, the number of deaths from opioid uh, cause, uh, caused by opioids is actually still going up, but it's not going up quite as fast as it has been. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us if the opioid ad- epidemic has touched your life in some way. Uh, tell us if you know someone who suffers from addiction, whether you might be a recovering addict, or you're someone who works in the medical field and is seeing this unfold uh, in our communities. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Sarah. Sarah in Metro Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. 
Um, I'm calling, I'm actually a mental health provider in Macomb County, um, and I deal with a lot of clients who are um, struggling with opioid addiction as well as various other substance abuse issues. And I just wanted to comment on an aspect of this problem that hadn't yet been addressed in the show, which is that not only is treatment sometimes scarce and hard to come by, but a lot of the um, medication-assisted treatment programs for opioid addiction, suboxone clinics and things like that, mm-hmm. have become incredibly, increasingly predatory on their clients. I've had quite a few clients who were in recovery, who were in medication-assisted treatment, suboxone treatment, who would have their, their, their prescribers unwilling to help them work on weaning down, basically keeping them on high levels of suboxone, keeping them dependent on their doctor's visits, um, paying high costs for their doctor's visits, frequent oh. testing, frequent appointments, but without any work towards helping them wean off. And that keeps them at greater risk of relapse because if they're still dependent on a high level of an opioid substitute, and if they have any lapse in their prescription, they're going to relapse because their body is still opioid dependent. They're going to have withdrawal and cravings if they have if they lose access to their high level suboxone. Wow! And that, I've had so many clients with that problem where they want to get clean, but their prescribers are not willing to help them do that because they want to keep the revenue coming into their office. Hmm. Sarah, thank you very much for the call uh, and the perspective there. Uh, Dr. Trent, I actually understand that there is this tension uh, in the treatment community between the idea of uh, substituting, uh, coming up with a substitute for opioids that that people can uh, take and be safer with than the opioids they're addicted to, and the idea of weaning them off of opioids altogether. And I think that's what Sarah's getting at there is that that she's seeing this tension play out. In, right, in her right. Work. Well, I, I think that she's, you know, that and two things. One, you know, now uh, uh, Suboxone can be prescribed by, by regular doctors. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's also the system, like in Wayne County, we have our mental health authority, that, which controls the uh, use of Suboxone through their network, and, and they are usually not predatory and very good, you know. Uh, but uh, the issue of of having a medication that is legal mm-hmm. and will not subject people to, you know, criminalization, predatory behavior on, on the streets or in their communities or in their schools is, is I believe, really important. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, but the idea that people do recover and uh, uh, but, the, you know, the, many people within the recovery community are uh, look down on the medical assisted medications, uh, methadone primarily. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But those, I believe, in terms of harm reduction are very good. Lives are saved. Because way. because you're getting away from this other more dangerous drug. Well, it is not more dangerous because mm-hmm. methadone will also kill you mm-hmm. if used improperly. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is legal, right. which is a a really really big yeah. deal, Stephen. You yeah. know, and this whole idea of making a a uh, a medical proceed a medical substance a substance used to for pain medication uh-huh. also illegal. Illegal. Sure. You know, poses a big problem and yeah. it's a huge problem. Yeah. yeah. We have, uh, you know, we have had, we've been dealing with the epidemic in in the way in Wayne County and Detroit community mm-hmm. for many, many years. For a long time. You know, yeah. now that that the this is impacting more people in in other areas, it's become really serious. Right. You know, and now the attention looking, is different. The right? attention is very different. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, but there is hope there.
Mm -hmm. recovery does work and there are legitimate providers throughout the system that can help people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, Sarah, thanks for the call and the comments. Let's go to Brian in Madison Heights. Brian, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, So I've been on Suboxone for two years and prior to that I tried everything to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the rehabs, did the AA groups and the programs, um, worked everything, and I would always relapse. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally found a good doctor that wrote me a high prescription of Suboxone, and um, I don't ever want to get off it. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why they don't want people to really get off it is because they relapse when they try to taper down or when they try to get off it, and it's just safer to stay on it. Yeah. Uh, Brian, do you worry uh, about using that maybe the rest of your life? Is that something that that concerns you? I'm sorry. Um, But I just figure it's better than being where I was at or dead, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, I really appreciate the you calling and 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 sharing that story with us. Uh, I really appreciate the, the perspective there. Um, let's go to Chris in Auburn Hills. Chris, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, hi. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to share. Uh, uh, I had two sons that were addicted to opioids. Uh, I lost one of those sons uh, four years ago this October, uh, and he struggled with both mental health issues as well as substance abuse, which eventually led to opioid addiction and uh eventually uh uh laced with fentanyl uh took his life wow uh, and uh suboxone played a big part in his life but unfortunately he was not able to use it effectively and abused it sold it and every every person who's in recovery has their own story and i think the system overlooks those people as individuals and tries to put them into a category and uh, mm. uh, building on what your guest said there there's really not enough mental health awareness and enough assistance to get people the proper help that they need and um, mm. uh, anyway I just appreciate that you're bringing this to you know to the surface the discussion needs to be uh, uh, open and uh, th- there's so much more work to be done in this also like to put a little plug in for uh, Brian's Hope in uh, Waterford, Michigan, uh, run, run by a lady who lost her son, or excuse me, her daughter to uh, to, to opioids, and mm-hmm. uh, pardon me, her her son to opioids, mm-hmm. and uh, this organization is really putting the word out there about naloxone, and the organization does training for naloxone to. Uh, uh, Star EMS is, is a, a big player in this as well, and the different law enforcement agencies. Uh, Brian's Hope is also active in you know legislative yeah. issues, yeah. so forth, and at a grassroots level. So yeah. I'd really like to see many of these grassroots organizations come together so that we can be stronger right. as a community. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that plug in. Chris, I appreciate uh, the call. Um, and and the the comments there, uh, Dr. Trent, uh, this idea that addiction gets wrapped up in other issues that are also untreated in our community, especially in our communities here in Detroit, I think is is something that gets lost sometime in that discussion too. People aren't addicts just because they're addicts. Often they're addicts because there's another attending issue. Yes, yeah, you know, there is a mental health concern, and that's something else that we're not 
really good at addressing. But I, I would like to also put a plug in for Brian's Hope, which is a great organization. Yeah. Uh, we also have an organization in Wayne, you know, throughout Michigan called Real Michigan mm-hmm. Recovery, Education, Advocacy, and Leadership. And these are being uh, organizations that are uh, grassroots advocacy organizations that are hoping to change people's ideas, change laws to make it more available, make treatment more available. We have a big bill that was just passed in Washington, but a lot of us think that not enough of that money has gone, is dedicated to actual treatment and prevention and recovery. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we have to have some non-conventional ways uh, of dealing with this epidemic. And one way that Brian's Hope and many of these grassroots organizations is under recovery support service. And generally, this is about individuals who have uh, experienced an addiction and have conquered that addiction, being folded back into the healthcare system I see. and being peer providers for people. It is a very important strategy and one that we have to keep within our healthcare system. Sure, sure. You know, we have survivors of breast cancer, and they have and they, they help with people. With, yeah. So we need to have people to work in. But you know, one thing I have to say again: this uh-huh. whole idea of criminalization yeah. of this issue is a big, big, big problem. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, that's a driver of yet other problems in uh, cities like Detroit, in particular. Yeah, people end up in jail uh-huh. rather than in in treatment. In treatment. Right, right. Um, let's quickly take uh, Anne in St. Clair Shores. Anne, I've got about a minute left, but I wanted to squeeze you in here. Okay, um, mm-hmm. thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say um, the gentleman said that a regular doctor can prescribe the Suboxone, and I have a son struggling to stay clean mm-hmm. and came from out of state, and I did some research about you know trying to find a doctor he could hook up with here, and not every doctor is allowed to no. prescribe Suboxone, huh. Huh. and the ones that are are limited with the number of patients they can have at one time. I see. And that, that goes for clinics also. So yeah. it, it is not that easy. I was really disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate uh, you sharing that information. That sounds like something yeah, they have to have be to trained. Too. Yeah. There's right. a training process. Right. Yeah. But it's available. Right, right. It's a start, right? Uh, Dr. Calvin Trent, Vice President of Programs for the Detroit Recovery Project. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. All right. uh, also remember, today is the last day to register to vote for the November election. So make sure you do that. Uh, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.